think I'm on now, I hope. Uh, it's been a while since we've been here, Nancy and I, but uh, like I said, it's always good to be back, and we are extremely blessed. Um, some of you are asking me, well, what are you doing now that uh, you retired? And the answer is, I didn't. <laughs> uh, I am uh, now in the process of um, working with uh, Beautiful Feet International out of Florida and uh, as a ministry consultant and then doing some other uh, what I'll call assignments. And we're going to, at the end of the hour, we're going to talk about assignments, okay? So keep that little thought in your mind. I'd like to pray before we get started. I really would just ask God to uh, open up my heart and your heart uh, that uh, we might receive, because every one of us here, there's lots of us here tonight, today, and uh, we may come in with all different kinds of needs. And we just want the Holy Spirit to, whatever those needs are, to refresh us, to guide us, and as we go out into our mission field in these coming days, okay? Father, I want to thank you for your word. It is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, it teaches us. It corrects us. It encourages us. It gives us confidence. Lord, in a day when we really need confidence to know, Father, that you are sovereign Lord of the universe and you are in control of all things. Nothing, absolutely nothing slips by you. And we're grateful for that. And so, Father, please guide us in this time together. And we'll give you thanks and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, you don't have to uh, kind of not, uh, you don't even have to watch TV or any of those kinds of things to recognize that our country is in a lot of hurt. A lot of hurt. Our culture, our political climate is a huge struggle. And sometimes we wonder, I feel sometimes like Habakkuk. You know, God, don't you see what they're doing? Aren't you going to discipline them? And then, of course, I remember I'm in that lot too. Okay? And I'm asking God, when will there be justice? And so forth. And you look at New York, where they allow babies even after they're born to be euthanized. We look in Illinois and the same in California. In fact, I just got this um, the other day. And uh, I'll just read it to you. It says, we want, this is a quote from the governor, Gavin Newsom of California. We want to be a no-kill state. He said that. It was a jarring statement from coming from Newsom, leader of one of the most prolific taxpayer-funded abortion generate, or operations in the country. But, of course, Gavin wasn't talking about people. He was talking about pets. His budget, which Newsom unveiled at a press conference, happens to include $50 million, a line item, for animal shelters. The goal, he insists, is to stop euthanizing dogs and cats. Unborn babies and dying patients, on the other hand, are fair game. That really is kind of what our culture is all about right now. And you know, there's some good news in this. God is sovereign. God doesn't give us a pass. Well, Tom, I know it's really tough out there. And so, you know, you can just kind of go hide in your house. No, he has instructed us 
to go out into the highways, into the byways, and compel them all to come in, come into Jesus. That is what we're talking about here. And so I believe, in fact, I just read this the other day, I think it was from the Family Research Council or John Stone Street, that 2020 is a very important year for this country, but also for the church. We're at a point where there is no middle ground, none whatsoever. And God's call to us is to go wherever you go, into Meyer, into your office, into the factory, in your home, wherever you go, preach Jesus, act like Jesus, live like Jesus. And I want to tell you something, that's hard. I don't know if you knew this, but I'm a sinner. <laughs> you know that. Some of you have noticed it before. Okay. But uh, the fact is, the fact is, as I walk with the Lord day by day, he gives me the grace to walk with him. And I cannot live the Christian life in and of myself. It must be the Father, the Holy Spirit that comes into my life and is in my life and working in my life and teaching me and guiding me and instructing me and correcting me. That's what that's about. And so it's God's call to every one of us today that 2020 is going to be a very challenging year. But I tell you what, the Holy Spirit is alive and well today and He's working in our lives if we will allow Him to work in our lives. Well, let me give you a little bit of historical background on abortion statistics. Just a moment here. On January 22nd, 2020, which is coming, It'll be the 47th anniversary of the Supreme Court companion cases of Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton, which allowed abortion on demand throughout pregnancy. The consequences of Roe v. Wade over the last number of years, 47 years, in this country, 61,628,584 babies have been lost, children have been lost in the United States. And I just... Took this off the computer last night. It shows year by year. That's sobering, isn't it? When you think of that. The abortion rate worldwide each year is somewhere, I'm told, between 50 and 55 million babies every single year. Now, if we go on the lower end of that, 50 million, that would mean 136, almost 137 thousand babies a day in this world die. 5,707 5, every hour, 95 a minute, and every two seconds, three babies die. You know, you've heard those statistics before, and they are very sobering. And it almost might paralyze us, and we might say, what can we do? Father, <laughs> What can I do? We can work with one person. We can influence another person. We can stand up as we vote. We can stand up as, and speak up in our communities and our cultures. We can join with brothers and sisters to say we are pro-life. We believe in the sanctity of human life. And because of that, we're going to live that way. And we'll talk about that today. What well, you've You've heard some of these statistics, and I want to share with you the sound of abortion. And what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. 
I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and then just listen when this comes on. And this is the sound of abortion. Right where you are, I just want you to, right there in your seats, just shut your eyes. What you're about to hear are the sounds of metal BB striking the side of a tin can. For every BB that strikes, it represents 10,000 lives lost in the wars of America's past. 10,000 lives for every BB. This is the reality of what is occurring in your country. The American Revolution. The Civil War. World War One. World War Two. The Korean Conflict. The Conflict in Vietnam. September 11th and the war on terror. Since 1973, the war on the Listen to that a number of times. And every time I hear it, tears come to my eyes. That's what's happening in our country. Can I remind you? Nothing slips by our Heavenly Father. Nothing. He is sovereign over all, He redeems all. And if anything, when I listen to this, it causes me again to say, Father, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And I trust that that will ring into your heart today. Well, I want to share three biblical truths regarding the sanctity of human life. And these are going to be truths which you've heard before, but I want you to let them sink deep into your soul and with encouragement and blessing and hope. The first truth is God sets apart human life as unique and valuable since it bears His image. 
Did you realize, in fact, you know this, you are image bearers of God himself. He made you that way. Genesis 1, 26-27, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. Then when he refers to image as likeness, or an essence, or resemblance, or a representative figure, only human beings, and no one else, by God's design, possesses the image of God. We're the only ones. Now Genesis 2-7, which is the next chapter in Genesis, send the Lord, the God formed, this is verse 7, then the Lord God formed man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. When you were created, when I was created, then God breathed into us the breath of life. And we became a living human being. Only human beings can walk with and talk with and fellowship with the creators. Animals can't, plant can't plants can't, and fish can't. But we can. We can have a talking, regular relationship with our Heavenly Father. Which is amazing. When you think about that. We can get up in the morning and we can say, Good morning, Father. What do you want me to do today? Father, I'm going through this struggle. Can you help me? Would you guide me, please? And He'll speak to us in our souls and our hearts. He will. We're going through struggles. God is there. He is there. Man was created in the image of God. When Adam and Eve sinned, the Lord had to send them out of the garden, lest they would eat of the tree of life and live eternally in their sin. Did you ever think of that? If they would have been allowed to eat of the tree of life, they'd have been eternally in sin. But God, in His mercy, put them out. However, in spite of man's sin, in spite of your sin and my sin, we still are image bearers and highly valued by our Heavenly Father. Highly valued by Him. And you know, when I think of all the stuff going on, isn't it a comfort to know that God knows God sees us. Well, God sets apart us as unique and valuable as image bearers. A second truth. Human life begins within the womb where God personally and sovereignly superintends the development and maturation of the fetus before birth. Any of you ladies have had babies, you understand this. You understand uh, all the changes that go on. And then any of us, men and women, whoever, when we look into the science of it and we recognize how amazing the development of a child is, absolutely amazing. And God is superintending all of that. When we look over at uh, the... uh, Where's my... I want to go to... Oh, here we are, Psalm 139. Denny was instructing me today. He says, don't lose your place in, in your notes, okay? So Denny Thompson and I am working on that. Um, but uh, Psalm 139. In fact, let's go there. Psalm 139. 
You know, um, at the end of the hour, I want to uh, mention something that um, is so vitally important. So I'm going to say it now and I'm going to say it again. A woman or a man who has experienced an abortion, I want everyone to know that God will forgive. He will forgive. There's no sin whatsoever that God cannot forgive. And so if there's someone here today who has experienced that, I want you to know that God understands and He's willing to reach out His hand to you and to bring forgiveness and whole back together. Well, we look at this uh, portion of Scripture, 13 through 16. It says, You formed my inward parts. You netted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Look at this. You saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Before there was anything about us, God knew everything about us. From before the foundation of the earth, God knew us. Before the foundation of the earth, God knew about this day, in this building, in these seats, who would be there. He knew that. And so that, you being here today, is special because God has ordained that. He knew about it. And I look over at, uh, and I not go there, but uh, when we look at Isaiah 49... Uh, read uh, today, go to Isaiah 49, 1 and 5, and there you will see about how Jesus in the womb was called. And you go to Jeremiah 1, 5, while I was in my mother's womb, the Lord called me. And then Galatians 1:15, I think is, is something because we think, well, that's Old Testament. Uh, but let's just take a quick peek at Galatians 1.15. And he says here, uh, Paul, but when he had set me apart before I was born. This is Paul speaking. And who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. He was pleased to reveal himself. When you became a Christian, if you know Christ, God was pleased to reveal himself to you. So much so that you recognized that the path that you were on was disaster and the Lord was offering you eternal life. Forgiveness of your sins. Reconciliation with him. A life of service and pleasure, frankly. So this is still true today for believers, for you and me. When you were in your mother's womb, when I was in my mother's womb, God knew all about the fact that one day I would recognize Him and receive Him as Savior. And you know something? God calls all different kinds of people. I was a child that was an orphan, as you, you've heard before. Twelve different homes in junior high and high school. Pretty much on my own. And God chose at the age of 19 to reveal himself to me in such a way that I received him as my Savior. And nothing has been the same since. 
I have been 50 years, <laughs> actually 53, not a lot, <laughs> uh, in Christ. And I thank Him for that. So before the foundation of the earth, and while you were in your mother's womb, you were called. And so, how are we using that call? Ask God to show you every day what He wants for you. So we know that human life begins in the womb, and because man is made in God's image, God commands that all human life be preserved and protected. Now, the sanctity of human life is not only a biblical truth with regard to conception and children in the womb, but is sacred throughout life's continuum. That's conception to death. When there is a person that is on death's door, maybe they're even not even able to communicate anymore, they're still an image bearer. Up until the time that God says, I'm bringing them home, they're still very much alive in the sense as an image bearer of God. It's about, it's not a surprise though, when we look at Exodus 20:13, where it says, Thou shalt not murder. And why? Because there's something distinctly precious and unique about human life. In God's estimation, it is so precious and so unique that He commands that life must be protected. No matter what. We remember uh, Cain and Abel there in Genesis chapter 4 when uh, Cain was jealous of his brother, so he killed him. And then God confronted him in the fields. I would presume it was in the fields. Where's your brother? He says, why? Am I my brother's keeper? And, and of course, the Lord I'm probably think he said, yeah, you are your brother's keeper. And then he was disciplined. In Genesis 9, 6, it says, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. Why? For in the image of God he made man. When we shed innocent blood, whether it be at the end of life, in euthanasia, assisted suicide, in other words, playing God, or at the beginning of life, God says, they're my image bearers, and I take great offense at that. So it's an affront to God's name and His holiness to make light of the sacredness of life. It really is. You know, for those of us who have had children, of course, but then those of us who have had grandchildren, and I think we understand a little bit more when we're a little older, you know, when that child is born and you're holding that little tiny, tiny child in your hand, arms, and you think, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And this is a creation of God. And we were able to participate in that. How we treat the poor, the needy, the destitute, children, the infirmed, and the aged is a matter of great importance to the Lord. No matter where we go, it's about our neighbors. How do we treat our neighbors? In fact, let's go even closer, more personally. In the home, how do we treat each other? Because that kind of gives us a sign that we do believe in the sanctity of human life. How I treat Nancy and how I respect her and, yes, serve her. That's important. How do I treat my family? How do I care for my family? How do I pray for my family? How do I go out of my way for others around me? How do I do that? Do I do that? That says an awful lot 
about whether I believe in the sanctity of human life or don't. Because it's more about actions than it is about just having it in your mind. It really is. Well, man is made in God's image, and so he commands us to preserve life. In fact, uh, there's a, uh, a portion, uh, and I'll just go to there quickly. In fact, uh, in your bullets today, did you have an insert by chance? Was there an insert? Okay, yeah, there you go. Um, it's, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was that one? Okay. Um, well, today, read this. Uh, it's, and I don't need to read it for you because you can. Proverbs 24, 10 through 12, and then read this. Uh, it's really God saying to us, I so care about life. I want you to protect it at all costs. Do whatever it takes. And if you say, I did not know that, God knows our hearts, whether we truly know that and whether we're really taking the time to step out and help someone. I remember one time I was in uh, Ukraine, and there was this busy street, and uh, it was at night, and I was with some folks there. We were doing some training and stuff like that, and we got this stoplight and this crosswalk, and the light turned so that we could walk across, but there was this really, what seemingly really old lady who could walk about one mile in three hours, okay? She was slow, and there was lanes of traffic, and I was thinking, there's no way in the world she's going to make it across without cars coming and hit her. So <laughs> I thought, okay. So I put my arm around a little bit, and I walked with her, you know, and holy, oh, Lord, please don't let that car hit me, you know. And, uh, you know, but it was that moment in time when God said, help that lady. And I did. There has been times when God says, do this, and I didn't listen, and I missed that opportunity, you see. There's been times like that in your life, hasn't there been, when you could say, yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, I remember I made that phone call. Oh, I'm so glad I made that phone call. I, I went down to see my brother my sister in the hospital, and oh, I'm so glad I went. Those are the kind of things we're talking about. So what are the implications of these truths in life and ministry. Since humans are made in the image of God, they have great worth and deserve our utmost respect, care, and protection. There is no room whatsoever for us to disrespect people, especially brothers and sisters in Christ. We are a family. Anything that happens in our family, we can take care of. We can work things out, we can come to a conclusion because our utmost desire is that we are a family and that we're united and we stay united and we work together. And we even do that with unbelievers, trying to keep peace but yet still speaking truth and the love of Christ. So that's important. That is one implication. Being image bearers We have an obligation to live out the biblical sanctity of life ethic in word and deed. Being pro-life starts first in our commitment to this truth. We let it go down deep into our soul, into our heart. 
and then live it out each day, starting with our family and extending to all that the Lord brings before us. And you know, there's a, a portion of Scripture, Matthew, and I think I, think I will read this. It's Matthew chapter 5, because it, it's telling to us as believers what God expects of us as believers. It's in verse 21, and it's, uh, well, just listen to this. It says, you have heard, this is Jesus talking, it says, you have heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to the judgment. Exodus 2013. Remember? But then, you know how Jesus does this in the, in the, in the Gospels, especially the Beatitudes? He ra- ramps it up some more. But I say unto you, whenever he says, when I say unto you, he's going to raise the bar, if I can say that. Everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to the judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. And I, I read this a few years ago. I mean, for the thousandth time probably, right? And then it struck me. Really, what is he saying there? If I disrespect my brother or my sister or even another human being, if I call someone a fool even though they're acting foolish, okay? God says, I put that on the plane of murder. That's what he's saying there. In fact, so much so in the next couple of verses, it says, hey, if you're at the altar to give your gift, and you know you have something against another brother or sister, leave it there, go settle up, take whatever it takes, take care of that, then come back and give your gift, because that's when I will receive it. And, and that really struck me, how I treat people. Even if there's people in Washington that I just don't like, okay? I don't like their, their, uh, their philosophy. I don't like their actions. I think they're foolish. But yet I remember that every one of those people, God loves sincerely as much as he loves me. And he's called me to pray for them. And I do. I, I say, Lord, help me to remember so-and-so and so-and-so. Lord, would you just change their lives? Wouldn't that be something if they were to turn to you? You know, wouldn't that be something? And so I, I'm, I'm working at this. I'm, every day I'm, I'm trying to remember to pray. And when I start to think of someone that just said something, like, oh, Lord, why don't you just reveal your, yourself to them? That, that's what we're talking about here. And so, um, and it really hit me when I read that, those verses in Matthew 5. Uh, and Nancy and I have always gotten along pretty well. It's going to be 50 years, June 6. Okay, that's amazing. <laughs> she put up with me that long, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, yeah, even how we treat each other day by day, how we speak to each other, what tone of voice do we speak in? How do I serve her? It's very important. And then I want to get back to where I was at, the sin of abortion. This is another consequence. Can a woman or man who experienced an abortion be forgiven, healed, and able to walk with God? And the answer is absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. There is nothing that you can do that God in His grace cannot forgive. That's true. We read that throughout all the Scriptures. 
And I'm so thankful for that. So, and I have friends who have had abortions. And God has infiltrated their lives and, and either saved them or brought them back to Himself. And now they're serving Him in amazing ways. And as I used to say, and you've heard me say this before, that as a family here, shouldn't it be safe for someone who has sinned of our family here to come back home and be embraced by the family and say, we're going to hold you accountable, but we're going to love you and we're going to forgive you. That's what, that's the greatest thing in a church can do, in my opinion, is to receive back brothers and sisters who may be afraid. It's one of the great things we can do. And we're not only we can do, we're commanded to do it. <laughs> and so that's so vitally important. Well, what does the truth have to do with us today? What does it mean to be pro-life in our actions each day? And I'm just going to give you a couple things because we could stay here for another hour and just talk about different things. But standing by the sanctity of human life and ministering to those Women and men who are facing an unplanned pregnancy and have experienced an abortion. What's that look like? It could mean that you are serving at the Alpha Women's Center or the Pregnancy Resource Center. It could mean that possibly during the 40 days for life you're down praying in front of the abortion center. It could mean that you know someone who's going through this and so you say, I'm going to stand by you, I'm going to help you. Because God loves you, so I love you. And I'm going to stand with you. So that is one thing. Another one, provide a healing ministry for women, men, and families who have experienced abortion. That is, that's huge. And there's different programs out there. Uh, forgiven and Set Free. And all the centers have those types of programs. But could we not even have someone here at North Park or at my church, Calvary Baptist, who would be able to instruct, counsel someone who's gone through that so that we can bring them from there to back into close fellowship with their Heavenly Father and understanding forgiveness and healing. That, that's a huge ministry. That's a huge statement about the sanctity of human life. Caring for the needs of the elderly. Your lift program that you have here is huge. The homebound, the chronically and terminally ill, and their caregivers, or even those families who have that child who has leukemia. Who surrounds them? And it's more than just bringing some food, which is really important, you know, meals and stuff, but standing with them. Sometimes with them just being silent and praying. That's a huge statement. Um, helping your neighbor in need, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Just being in tune to what's going on with your neighbor. Helping them. No expectations on that. Having a proper attitude toward children and adults, no matter their physical or mental capabilities, this means we treat people with dignity, respect, and love. That is the very core of what it means to believe in the sanctity of human life, that we respect people and we Extend dignity to them because that's what they have. And speaking life to all we come in contact. And what do I mean by that? I remember one time uh, Nancy was in the line at Myers, and the lady in front of her was just rude and crude and mean to the teller. And Nancy was embarrassed. She told me anyway. And she got up there for her turn. She, she just apologized. She said, you don't need to be treated that way. I don't know exact words she said. 
But there was speaking life into that lady where she went from a, a frown to a smile, speaking life into a person. It's how you greet someone. And it's not like, uh, how are you doing? And you hear, fine, thanks, have a good day. No, it's you look at them and you say, how are you doing today? And sit there and listen and say, how can I pray for you? That's speaking life into someone. And we, we can do it all the time. And then participation in the Great Commission Ministries, sharing the gospel. And I tell you what, there's all kinds of ways you can do that. Some people, like our missionaries, you know, their career is out in doing, you know, hospitals or seminaries or whatever. But every one of us are required when we leave this building, we're going into our mission field. And we're going to come across people. And sometimes it's going to be not on our agenda to come to those people. It's going to be thrown right in front of us. Okay, Lord, tell me what to say, you know. And, but be ready, always ready to give an answer, as we say. So there's a summary here. Uh, command, a blessing, and a challenge. And we'll close with this. I want to look back at Psalm 82, 3 and 4. And this is more the uh, command. It says, give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. And we see this taught throughout all of Scripture about the widows, the orphans, the destitute, the naked. Go to, go to a, a wonderful portion of Scripture, Isaiah 58. Read 1 through 12 today. Isaiah 58, 1 through 12. And it talks about a people who were religious and doing all the right stuff, but they were pretty much killing the destitute, the widow, and so forth. That's, uh, God was speaking there through that. Well, then, if we go back, there's a command. And then, if we go back to Psalm 41, we'll see a blessing where it says here, Blessed is the one, verse 1, Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord will deliver him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is called blessed in the land, and you do not give him up to the will of his enemies. God says, if you will day by day walk with me and listen to me and do what I want you to do, it may not be easy. It may even be hard. But I promise you, I will bless you. I will do it. And at the very center of that thought, the foundation of that thought is why? Because of the sanctity of human life. Why? Because we're reaching out to people who have been made in the image of God. They're humans. So here's a challenge. I try to do this and um, every morning when I get up, I say I ask the Lord to reveal His assignments that He has planned and prepared for me during that day. And, you know, I say, Lord, I don't know what you got in mind, but I'm, I'm ready. I'm listening just throughout the day, and it might be uh, something where you're, you're working on something, and he says, I want you to call so-and-so. Okay. We do it, hopefully. Okay. The other day, I was um, 
going down five mile, and uh, there's a gentleman, his name is Butch, and he's in hospice care at Raybrook. And the Lord said to me, I want you to go see Butch. I want you to find out basically where he's at with Christ. And I kept driving. <laughs> Literally said it again. I want you to go see Butch. I said, okay, I'll do it. The next day I was able to go see Butch. I found out that he's a brother in Christ, and we spent a half hour with him, and I'm going to go back and see him again. But I, that time I was listening. There's been times to my regret that I wasn't listening. But God has assignments, and sometimes the agenda that he places in, or the, the assignment he puts in your agenda was not even on your agenda that day. He added it to you because he knows what he wants you to do. And so, as we consider the sanctity of human life, it's really about, number one, in our heart, our head and our heart, understanding what God means by the sanctity of human life. And the, the important part, then, is living that out. However, God wants to live that out in our lives. And I tell you what, there's something blessed about listening to God going forward in His power, not our own, and doing the will of God. What a blessing that is. And so today, if there is anyone here who has never had that moment in life where they received Jesus Christ as their Savior, because Jesus came. Why did He come? He came because to save image bearers. That's why He came. If we weren't image bearers, I don't know what, Maybe there wouldn't have been anything. Maybe we'd just die and that's it. But no, we're image bearers, and he has a plan that he, can, he wants to bring us to himself. He wants to save us and then use us, and then one day we'll be with him for eternity in the new heaven and new earth. So if you're in that place today, don't leave here without talking to someone. Please, because your life depends on it. And for those of us who know Christ... Let us be challenged and encouraged again. We've got the God of the universe that can help us and guide us. Let us let him do his will, his acts in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that you've done much in our lives. We could spend a long time today just thinking about all that you've done. Even this day that we got up, we were able to breathe and we were able to maybe have breakfast and we are able to drive here and come to church. What a blessing that is. So, Father, help us to walk out of here today cognizant of the fact that you're watching, you're listening, and you have an opportunity, an opportunity for us to be used of God, not only today but throughout the days ahead. And we'll thank you, Father, for give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.